Hey folks, Jason Wygan here. Hope you've been enjoying the SMX Insider Show. Myself and Daniel Blair were off for the weekend because of the Easter break in Monster Energy AMA Supercross. But we still have content for you. Enjoy the best of the big interview from our first 16 episodes. This runs the full scope, every guest and type imaginable. Enjoy. I'm going to break a little news here. Uh, you won a lot of races, kind of dominated at times in your career. And then... Even if you weren't winning, it was great individual rivalries. You and Ricky, Car Ricky Carmichael, Jeremy McGrath, Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, Chad Reed. The sport has changed a lot, and I've heard your take on it. It's, it's a lot more parity now, and then we're throwing that into a playoff format. It should be pretty wild. It's going to be extremely wild. I mean, you think about it now. There's probably eight to ten guys that can logistically or realistically win a Supercross or a motocross race. Now you go into the Super Motocross World Championship rounds, or it's a hybrid track partially motocross, partially supercross, it's anybody's game. And oh, by the way, it's really a three-race championship during that playoff system. So I go back into the seasons, whether it's motocross or supercross, and you start thinking about which guys are good for short races, short amount of races, which guys are able to manage three races. It's going to open up some doors and opportunities for a lot of guys that maybe can't manage, you know, 28 rounds. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to also. Any names come to mind, guys, that start hot? There's, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, we're here at Anaheim right now. I think how many times Ken Roxon has won the opener at Anaheim. He's great. Justin Barsha, I mean, I mean, you name it. There are so many good guys. And not to mention, there are going to be guys that improve from 2022 to 2023. So there's always that little element in there as well. As well. But nevertheless, I love it for our viewers also. They're going to be able to watch... Supercross, Motocross, all streaming live on Peacock, and then going to the Supercross or Super Motocross World Championship. It's going to be awesome. We are joined by Jeremy Appleton from Triumph. Now, you fans have probably heard that Triumph had already announced their intentions to go racing in both Supercross and Motocross. I know people want bikes and race teams and results right now. We got to wait a little bit, but you have a bit of a timeline at least for us, right? We do. Uh, we are going to be here in January 24. Okay. Uh, so we have a year to finalize everything and be ready. Um, we're well down the track, but uh, yeah, a little bit of work to do just yet. What I thought was interesting is you could have taken Triumph people who maybe are experienced in motorcycles but not in Supercross. But instead, all the principals, Bobby Hewitt and uh, uh, Scuba Steve, both of the Rockstar Energy program back in the day, Ricky Carmichael's involvement, Dave Arnold, who was with Factory Honda for a long time, you have taken motocross and supercross people and injected them into your racing operation. Yes, we have. We've taken the very best motocross people, as I think we can all agree, because we want to be competitive from the get-go. Um, Triumph has a massive amount of engineering experience. Uh, lots of very passionate people back at the factory in Hinkley um, who are all working very hard on this program. But, but the one thing that we don't have back there is experience of being out here. So, um, no, we, we've set out to have the best people around us to make us as competitive as we can be. What's it been like for you working with Ricky and all that comes with Ricky, all the different personality traits that he loves to share? Firstly, a huge privilege. Um, the insights that he has are massively valuable. He opens many doors. Um, but, but I think the most important thing is that he has that depth of knowledge. He's been there, done that, knows what a bike needs to feel like. Uh, so having him on the program is valuable in many ways, but I think for the engineering team to just have his endorsement uh, of what they're doing has been you know, really great. 
Rob, I'm always fascinated by athletes and their interest in other sports, whether it's um, F1, uh, basketball, football, Supercross, NASCAR. There's a lot of crossover always. And my question is, where did your interest in Supercross and motocross come about? And what is it about maybe these riders that attract you to this sport? Well, I mean, it started a long time ago. Basically, kindergarten, my best friend, Roy Horton, um, rode. I'm from Illinois originally, close to Joliet. I used to go to Byron and, and Redbud all the time as a kid. So every single summer, I basically was going around tracks locally in the Midwest. And I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to ride and, and race. But I happened to grow to like 6'3", 260. And, uh, you know, my old man, he'd always say, listen, uh, you're, you're not built for race of dirt bikes. You're built for playing football. And it worked out. It worked out. But, you know, my best friend, Roy Horton, um, was was a great, great rider. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with it at a young age. I used to go to the RCA Dome all the time in Indianapolis, watch all the super crosses. You know, I had the 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 Jeremy McGrath knack knack T-shirt, you know, when he switched over to Suzuki. Um, I was a big Kevin Windham fan. So, you know, just there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, fanfare when I was a kid. And then as I grew up and, and got into the NFL, there are some comparables to just work ethic and really just following your path. And everyone has a different path, but motocross is so physically demanding. I think it's probably one of the hardest sports that you can compete in, really. I mean, then you think about the, the risk involved in it, you know, physically and mentally, you gotta be all in. So it's something that I always, um, admired those guys. And then when I retired, I put my leg over a bike. Yeah, it wasn't fast and it was a little bit scary. Um, but I, I enjoy watching the races. I enjoy meeting the, the riders and, and talking to the riders. And, you know, I met Ricky Carmichael a couple of years ago. We had a bunch of stuff in common. And it's so crazy because Supercross motocross is completely different than, than football, but you still have to have that mindset that really you know, you, if you put yourself in like this zone and to be a professional at it, you have to commit at an ultimate level. And that's that's everything. That's how you prepare. That's you know what you do off the bike, how you train um, and then your mental stability on how you go out there and perform at a high level. You know, there's plenty of great football players that never were able to make it. But I think it's the guys that are able to get there. It's because they, they got it up here. Um, similar to, to Supercross and Motocross, the moto guys that make it. You know, they, they were able to focus um, their skill set mentally and be able to handle the pressure and perform when things are on the line. And then I love Supercross. I love motocross. Um, I'll, I'll continue to, to love it for a long time and um, you know, always following it every single year. And uh, I'm cheering on this year. I'm cheering on uh, Sexton. I want Sexton to have a great, great year. I, he started off pretty good. All right, real special edition of our big interview this week. First of all, we're doing it right here at the race because we have Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, maybe Ford, it's Ford Field. Maybe he has to come. No, you chose to come here. This wasn't a job requirement. You just like Supercross. No, I think I'm the only CEO that's not in Sibring. I wanted to be here because we live in Detroit. My kids all ride. I ride. And, uh, I mean, this sport is fantastic. I, I wanted to be here in person with a bunch of friends, so... Forget forget about Sebring. I'm here. <laughs> Could have gone to the car race, which you would race yourself, by the way, if you were in Sebring, right? I, ra I race it in uh, IMSA. And I just got my gold license at 60 years old. So, no, but I, I like riding in the woods in Michigan with my KTM. It's uh, 
It's wonderful. So talk about your family there. You mentioned sure. your kids ride, and now you're a relatively new rider to the yeah. sport yourself. I've been riding on the road. I used to um, do a lot of road bicycling and mountain biking, but I really got into riding in the woods. I really love it. Michigan, like a lot of our country, it's got beautiful trails, a single track. And uh, I like it more than mountain biking, and uh, it's really challenging. So, and it's good for my motor skills. And yeah, I'm an old dude, but I, I, I like it. And what's cool is the USMCA, the coaching association, yeah. you actually sought out some help to make sure you did it right. Yeah, I talked to Wayne Rainey, my buddy, and he goes, oh yeah, no, they had this coaching program. I got a local coach here in Michigan, uh, Lucas Lowe, he's terrific. And he's totally taught not only me, my whole family, how to ride off-road, and it's such a great program. And uh, when even when you do go to the IMSA races, I'm sure people talk Supercross. It's kind of handy, I would think, to have a little knowledge. No, it's so funny you say that, because I'm around a lot of four-wheel racers and two-wheel racers, and, um, you know, I find the motorcycle people are different, in a good way. Um, and I know, like, when I when I am around the four-wheel racing people, like a Mark Weber or Dario Franchitti, they all want to meet Wayne. They want to meet people who ride because this sport the professionals are really much more exposed yeah this is wayne rainey by the way your yeah. buddies with the multi-time moto gp world champ you guys go way back we uh i met wayne like 20 years ago and he's just the most inspirational person in my life and he started you know he and a few others started moto america to get a, an american back into moto gp and he's so passionate about getting an american like him off the dirt on the tarmac back to europe be a world champion like he did. And we're all so excited to have Wayne get back on his GP500 bike at Goodwood last year. And we're all crying like babies watching him. By the end of the weekend, he was doing wheelies. <laughs> Can you not see the passion? This guy, this is not a, I have to go as a CEO. This is, I want to go. Jim, thanks for coming to Supercross. Really fun to meet you. Great to be here. Thank you for everything you do. Absolutely. Appreciate it. That's our big interview, Jim Farley. Big time. You know, you're pretty diversified now. You know, first of all, we knew you from the music scene, but you got the Vanilla Ice Project on TV. I know you said you're building a brewery. You're pretty diverse with the things you're doing. You have to be impressed with these young kids moving up like Hayden Deegan, the Lawrence brothers. They're pretty diverse in how they're popular. They're great racers, but you got to respect what they're doing off the track to kind of boost the sport also. Well, you know, everything today is much different than it was back in the 80s, 90s when I was riding. You know, it was... Uh... You know, we didn't have any computers, you know, <laughs> so yeah. it was all about, you know, just getting out of the house and not really uh, having that element of, you know, spreading all the butter for who you are and what you are and uh, getting social media following and, and all this, uh, you know, these fans and, and things, you know, it was you just had to earn it back in the day from the track and the name on the back of your mm -hmm. jersey, you know, and people, most people didn't even know what you look like unless you're, you know, top three. <laughs> yeah, Hard to right. find out what you look like with a helmet on. Now, right. everybody, you know, they've got all these social media things and they're bringing in all the other countries. And by the way, I love how the new format is with all this, the, the new uh, Supercross uh, thing. And it makes it really good for the spectators. Like I was saying, I, I, we watch, you know, Supercross right here in the theater, as you can see. Uh, this is our main thing to do here. That's uh, awesome. Saturday, Saturday <laughs> nights, man. So we, yeah, look, I mean, you know. Oh, it's and, rad. And I, uh, yeah, I can't get enough of it, you know. And here we are, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, there's one right there. <laughs> but you know yeah total totally addicted and you guys do such a great job out there you know everybody and daniel and, and the whole you know team of uh, uh behind the scene people uh really uh you know just getting better and better every year with the way it, 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 a spectator gets to view you know supercross it's really really a lot of fun
but I walked over here uh, oh. because I wanted to show you uh, okay. a little bit of love. I hope my camera doesn't lose. Uh, so far, so I... good. Oh, we I got lose. it all. We got classic car collection. There it is. The motocross section. There so that's is. just that's the exact bike you raced, or that's just like a bike you raced. Oh in God, I wish it was the exact bike. Yeah, Scott, yeah. you know Scott Burnworth got me this bike actually. That's rad. Yep. And and Mitch Payton brought it to me from California. I bought this in California, so it's, it was already restored. You know. And oh, so Mitch helped put that, that together. I, so it's the same one I actually rode back in the day, right there. Yeah. What's the What's the butt patch there? What's the nickname on the back? Witness. Uh, Man, I was sweetness before Dr. Pepper. Look sweetness. At this. You remember when pink was in? I had the pink gear. Remember uh, who was it? Randy like Brock Johnson? Lover style, yeah. Brock Lover. That's who it yeah. was. Brock Lover. My yeah. man, Brock Lover. Hey, but look here. Let me show you now. Don't look at the years. No, no, okay. Well, you already said it's an 85 motorcycle. So look, oh, at, look that. at that. <laughs> NMA 1984. Moto love, bro. That is Moto awesome. Love. And you, and you gave it the top floor of the garage. I respect that. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. You know, the cars are cool, but the motorcycle is the, the king of the crown up here, you know? There you go. It's got its own, it's got its own, uh, its own deck up here, man. I made for that. This is awesome. But, well, hey, this is even more we expected. I didn't expect it. I was just going to break down a race. I didn't expect a house tour. So thanks for the bonus time. We, we appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, I guess we'll see you at more races, maybe at Daytona. Uh, we'll be at Daytona, man, and I appreciate you guys. Appreciate all the hospitality, all the guys out there, all moto love, and uh, just, you know, good luck to everybody. That's it. Okay, so let's talk about Tomac from an all-time standpoint. Clinton, we have our data man, Clinton Fowler, with us. Give us some numbers here to illustrate how rapidly Tomac is starting to climb the ranks. Eli's really just running up the ranks right now. Um, I'm curious – Jeremy, when you hear Eli Tomac, he's got eight championships combined between Supercross and Motocross, but he's now third in, in wins with 77 wins, 10 behind you in second, um, uh, maybe a chunk behind uh, RC there with 124 SMX wins. But when you guys hear that he's third, what do you think? Well, I personally think that he's done it in a really sneaky way. You know, he's had some great seasons, but he's also had some seasons where you're like, man, he should have won a lot more because he was pretty dominant. Eli has really seemed like he has a sense of confidence now, even more so than when he was winning on Kawasaki. Riding the Yamaha, he just looks incredible. And to, to say, you know, to watch him last week ride the track, like these guys said, it was an incredibly tough track. It looked like he, he was in a whole nother league in the whole field, to be honest. Uh, he could do whatever he wanted out there. It looked like the track didn't have the ruts that it actually did. And you saw all the other guys just going down a lot. So um, Eli's been pretty sneaky. It's pretty impressive that he's up there <clears throat> for a while. You just really didn't consider him to be up into those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, Dungey was sort of the same way. You know, Ryan dominated ricky dominated i dominated like there's you see the guys that are creeping up that are dominating but uh dungy kind of did it in a way that was pretty sneaky and then now we have eli who's just kind of stayed pretty under the radar but uh nonetheless impressive his riding i mean i just was reading this, your stats this morning and he's now the oldest guy to win a supercross championship at 29 i was 28 so i was the oldest guy for a while but to me, his 29 looks, he looks fresh. So I think these guys are in trouble. It's, 
it's pretty neat to see. Just talk about experience. You were on both sides. You were the young guy coming up, trying to unseat a guy like Carmichael had tons of experience. And then later on, you know, Villapoto and Dungey come in and you're the veteran guy. Talk about Tomac's role there and being able to manage races and what all that experience he has probably means in that moment. Yeah, with Eli, um, he's definitely banking on experience because he wasn't the fastest person. Um, but just as Cooper, we always talk about Cooper Webb and his determination on on being able to win after being like 15th in practice. Like there is a there is a point where you can overcome a lot of stuff. Um, just making it will to make it happen. So I, I think with Eli, um, I, I, you could see he was a little kind of um, lost, I would say, after the heat race. And when he got on his um, podium interview in the main event, he just said, like, I just had to go faster. And but I think he had a sense of if he would allow Chase to, to win that race, what it, the whole complex of the championship might have changed. You know, Chase is young. It's like when I was in that, you give me confidence on there and I know I got speed. I'm be hell and hell high water. Like I'm be tough to beat. And so Eli just kind of sensed the moment, just like he did in outdoors. Um, you know, sometimes you got to just step up and get stuff done. And I think with age and being able to go through all the things that he has, um, he was able to do that. Now, again, with Chase, he has speed and he ended up second. So he only lost three points and his championship still wide open. He, he still can continue to do what he um, does. But I believe you give him another year, he would have beat Eli. He would have figured out how to beat Eli. And that's what I learned as I continue racing over time was like figuring out how to win, even though situations was going bad. Like I, if I didn't get a start, I was faster, slower, just figuring out how to win and getting your kicked by Ricky Carmichael that many times. Like it gets old and you have to figure out how to do it. And so Tom uh, with Chase, he's better than he was last year. And, um, you know, you just saw somebody who knew how to do it and somebody who's figuring it out as we're, we're going on. Yeah, and what I always say about Daytona, there's such a variety of events there from the 24-hour Rolex sports car race, the Supercross, all the NASCAR racing, so many different disciplines. They treat all the winners equally. It's just as grand for everyone. It's almost like you're in this exclusive club of big race Daytona winners. Yeah, the victory lane, you know, at, at Daytona is, is unlike, I feel like any other racetrack we go to. And you look at all the greats who have won there uh, in the past in all forms of motorsports, and uh, it's a who's who. Uh, so it's really, really neat to you know, get in that club. And then, yeah, they, uh, they treat you really well. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I know you're a big Supercross, Motocross fan. I remember seeing you came to Glendale. You've been in the TV booth before. So I know you follow the sport really closely. Yeah, it's awesome. I, you know, I grew up riding dirt bikes. I got my first dirt bike. I was, man, I think I was four years old. And uh, so my dad and I just, we grew up riding uh, all the time. We did a lot of trail riding. Uh, I did a few arena crosses back in the day. Uh, that didn't go well, uh, but I had a lot of fun doing them. And um you know, so I, I just have always enjoyed, you know, riding dirt bikes and, um, you know, I would, I would race on Friday and Saturdays and then, you know, Sunday afternoons we would go, you know, ride dirt bikes uh, in the woods with, uh, with a big group of buddies uh, just about every weekend. And so that's what I grew up doing. Yeah, and I've always wondered this, you know, we race generally on, on Saturday night in Supercross or Saturday afternoon for motocross. NASCAR has some Saturday races, but more often on Sunday. So are you you folks watching in the motorhome lot, Supercross, and then bench racing about it on the race weekends? 
Yeah, uh, early on in the season, it's normally a little chilly, and then a lot of us don't bring our motorhomes out west. Uh, but you know, Daytona, normally everybody's you know outside uh, the motorhomes, all watching Supercross. You know, end up at somebody's motorhome watching it outside, um, or if we're out and about, I'll definitely uh, just pull it up on my phone nonstop. So uh, you know, whether. Whether we're at dinner or, you know, at an event, I've, I've got it tuned in. Okay, time for our big interview. We're bringing on the team manager for the Progressive X-Star and Twisted T Suzuki team, Larry Brooks. You guys got a win. Every truck was shut down and packing up on Saturday night, but you guys were still there celebrating. First, just tell me the atmosphere post-race, even into this week. What's it been like to have this win? I mean, it was so emotional, you know, uh, uh, I think. Uh, Kenny and and uh, the team has been working so hard trying to make the motorcycle comfortable for Kenny. You know, it's not really something crazy, but it was more like the comfort of the motorcycle. And I think once we found that, uh, we went through Daytona and the result wasn't as good as what we thought it was going to be. But it, then it gave Kenny another week to get used to the bike. And and then we rolled into the weekend. We didn't get a great start in the heat, so we really concentrated on the start, made a couple of changes to the clutch before the main event. And, you know, it got him off the gate real well. And, and then he was able to ride the bike like Kenny Rockson rides the bike. And he rode terrific. I mean, the sprint that he put on at the beginning and then just kept that pace the whole race, it was, it was amazing. This team hasn't ever won a race before, and you're back, by the way, at, at the highest level. What was it like for you and the staff over there? It was to to give the team their first win was something really special. Um, you know, the the team owners, Aaron and, and Dustin, I think they were on cloud nine. Um, you know, and, and the whole team, you know, because the whole team works together. It's uh, we've got a unique situation over there that everyone is bonded together and everyone wants to win and. Um, you know, I think everyone was a little bit in shock for a while. And as that kind of wore off, we drank a couple of twisted teas and, and then it was just everything started kind of sinking in. And, you know, we just realized that, hey, we could probably win more of these. OK, another big interview, the biggest of all. We're joined by Ken Roxon, who is the man of the hour or the week, maybe the story of the season. Um, Ken, look, there's an old adage in racing. When you're winning, the phone never stops ringing. And then when you're not, the phone doesn't ring. What has this week so far been like for you? Are you getting blown up? I mean, it's only been Tuesday, and uh, we've definitely got a couple of interviews out of the way. But honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, yeah. And it is such a cool story. And you, you talked about this a lot in the press conferences the last few weeks, actually. The hours you're putting in. What gave you that drive, that belief to believe someday we could get to this point? Um, I don't know. I just feel like I was very stagnant, um, in the last couple of years where I was at. And, um, I feel like I needed a big change and that's exactly what I, what I did with this entire off season. I mean, that was something that I have never, I don't know if anybody has ever really done with riding all these bikes and just like, I don't know. It was just very new territory to me. And same with ending up, uh, with a decision that I think, um, was big for, for this whole industry. And I ended up doing it. And, um, I wanted this to work somehow, you know, I really got that spark back and um, even though at times it was tough and um, sometimes you just feel a sense of like 
do I really still want to like grind it out like that? And then um, absolutely I do. We, we just, we've had some really long days and nights, um, but I think you have to go through some of these, even when you don't find anything to narrow stuff down. And um, I, I told Larry, I said, this stuff will pay off, I promise you. And last Saturday night was the night where it paid off. And when you switched this team, you said, hey, this would be a great story. We all know Suzuki's legacy. They were great, you know, back even when you rode for them in the day. They've certainly been through their lean times now. Is that also a little, as if you needed more to fire you up right now? You said you wanted this to be a good story. Does that add even more to this where you've done it? You've, you've helped boost Suzuki's fortunes in a way. Absolutely. Um, just for the story alone, I thought I felt drawn to it, tr uh, drawn to that decision. And just right as I jumped on it, I said from the beginning on, even though there were some things we had to work on, I said, I feel like I can win on this bike. Mm -hmm. And um, I just I just fully jumped into the deep end and fully committed to it. I, I, I felt drawn to it for some reason. And the craziest part, this is the last thing I want to ask about, the other riders, they all congratulated you, even though technically you beat them on the night. That is an unbelievable. What is that experience like? Um, it's one of the coolest things that I, I've ever experienced. Honestly, none of those guys had to do it. And of course, there were my teammates and, and some close friends. But there are other riders that, uh, you know, we most of the time avoid each other. But they came over and uh, it meant so much to me. And it was such a rad moment and experience. I literally took that all in. It's cool that everybody else saw, saw it and witnessed it. And uh, what a special night and special moment. It made me feel, made me feel really good. All right. Well, ride that high into Detroit. Awesome to have another player back in the mix. And uh, yeah, enjoy it. But most importantly, I guess, just focus on trying to do it again, right? Exactly. Awesome. All right. Thanks for the time. I know you got a lot to do this week, but you earned it. All good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All 31 Super Motocross World Championship events can be streamed domestically. That's here in the U.S. on Peacock. So to subscribe, go to PeacockTV.com slash sports slash Super Motocross. And for the fans of Super Motocross, they'll have a chance to watch it all year long on Peacock, NBC, and USA Network. And for the international fans, you can join in the fun by getting the Super Motocross Video Pass. Go to supermotocross.tv to purchase access to every moment of the 2023 Supercross season, the Pro Motocross season, and of course, Super Motocross live events in one place. Plus, get over 800 plus hours of archived races. All right, let's wrap up our off-week show. Daniel, it's been a dynamic season, and I think what's so cool is we have it both ways, right? The head and the heart, both the interviews, the facts, the stats, the emotion. This season, it's given us a gift to debut the show this year and get this kind of action. Couldn't have planned it better. I feel every single week this year has been fun in a different way, though. The storyline keeps changing and shifting and pivoting. Uh, that's what makes Supercross so special. So, yes, six more rounds after the break to close this thing out. And then, of course, we have 11 rounds of pro motocross, the two playoff rounds, and the Super Motocross World Championship to close. So, yes, Jason, we are moving along very quickly. It's been drama-filled. It's been great. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this off week. But we are back at it in Glendale this weekend and uh, ready to go racing. Six more to go for the 2023 Monster Energy Supercross Championship. All right. We'll be back to cover Glendale next week, everybody. Thanks for watching.